0: All right. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, my guest is Olivia Summerhill with Summerhill Wealth Management. She is the founder and CEO. Welcome.
1: Thank you for having me today. Pleasure to be here.
0: So, Tell us some about yourself. Um, What what made you get into the financial industry?
1: Oh, I've always loved, uh, I know it's very weird. I've loved since I was a kid, working with money, playing with money, saving money. Um, And it actually, the reason why I actually got into it was my then boyfriend, now husband, right after college, he said, you know, you keep going to the library to just read books about finance and money management. Why don't you do that as your career path? So if it weren't for him, I would have kept it as a hobby and started Mm -hmm. to invest for my own and just kept saving and talking about it. Um, And he really said, you know, be curious and get into it. And I did. So since then, ever since then, over a decade now been in finance and I love every day of it.
0: <laughs> That's great. So where did when you first got into it, where did you where did you start off your career?
1: JP Morgan Chase. Okay. So I because I had no experience with finance, I didn't think I could get into the career without, you know, getting a, a masters and whatever it may be within the financial industry and I went into the customer service role as a personal banker, worked my way up to private banking every conversation with everyone is you have to save let's get you to retirement I don't care if you're 20 50 it's not intimidating let's make it easy simplify it down um so I think I got into it for the right reasons and that's probably why I still enjoy it (laughs) every day
0: great great great. so tell us some about the you know designations you have you have a few that that are very rare so tell Mm -hmm. us about those
1: so I love education, if you can't tell, especially in the finance world. So I have the CFP, which is certified our Diver- certified financial planner designation, which a lot of advisors have just to specialize in all the holistic planning for clients, goal-driven. I also have the CDFA, which is certified divorce financial analyst, because I think even though you can specialize in finance and helping people get to their goals, you need to specialize further and have an even closer niche to help one person in particular and one niche. So I actually specialize in just divorce analytics right now. Um, I also have my behavioral financial advising designation because I want to look into the neuroeconomics of finance and how does our emotions and everyone, whether you're divorced or not, How does that play into you getting to where you want to be financially? I also have, in the past um, and present, I'm very involved in philanthropic endeavors, which I decided to get my chartered advisor and philanthropy designation so that I could understand the complex and you would know all of this stuff as a CPA and everything else you know. Um, I now just send people to the CPA and the estate planner attorneys so that they can really get involved, but I got the designation. So I had a very good understanding of charitable giving, how to give appropriately, what things to look out for. Um, so I, you know, I'm a philanthropic advisor and a uh, chartered retirement plan specialist was in my past. I did a ton with everyone with participants in retirement plans. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to specialize in understanding what can you get out of the retirement benefits. Again, I love to talk to people about saving and retirement. So that's another designation on top of just everyday learning and finance that I still continue to do.
0: Right. There's a lot to fit on one business card.
1: I don't put them on my business card. <laughs> I don't. So it's so funny, Gary. I even like on my website and on my branding, it is just divorce and financial planner. That's all you hear. You don't right. you don't hear the other specialized stuff because it's really not branded towards that now. Right,
0: right. With the the Certified Divorce Financial Analyst, tell us what what that
1: means. The biggest thing that I do as the analyst is I help clients understand their short-term and long-term settlement options uh, within a divorce because you can walk into your divorce emotional, non-emotional, doesn't matter. You're not going to know. I wouldn't know if I weren't in the financial world. Okay, well, they're saying to get the house split it halfway and half. Is that all I do? Or you get a car, I get a car. No, it's not that easy. So I help them with just options and scenarios of financial implications and short and long-term effects of that settlement uh, when you're going through a divorce. Because I I see a huge need um, because mediators, divorce attorneys, attorneys in general, anyone who's in the divorce professional field, they specialize in their lane. And I don't see enough clients going to actual financial people within their divorce team. So I help with that piece that's missing because you can't just split the house. You need to know about the basis. You need to know about all the tax implications. Uh, So that's where I come in and I help them with all of that uh, scenarios and getting to the right goal because it's, again, about financial goals. Where do you want to be? What's going to be best for you now and in the long term financially after your divorce?
0: Right. So what made you pick this as, as your niche to, to go into?
1: So I would love to say that most people, they say, oh gosh, I've, I got into it for this and this and this reason. And I know exactly what those reasons are. For me, it's a combination of things. The top few is I'm a child of divorce, which it was just nasty. And I saw how it can affect people in really negative ways. So in, it took 15, 20 years before I got into it, but I did it because I really think there's a better way to do things, and I can help with that for other families going through it. I also saw it as a huge opportunity during COVID, so it was more of a business decision than a personal one um, because working through financial things with clients, well, everyone's getting divorced more often not everyone, but more often there's divorces within COVID. So I saw this opportunity to not let people make these massive financial mistakes. If I specialize, because we don't want people coming after the divorce saying, Oh, I made a lot of mistakes. And now as a financial planner, can you help me? Well, no, let's actually help you during set those objectives so I, I created my business during COVID on purpose just to specialize within divorce.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, I know I preach all the time. And if anybody's listened to any one of, of the podcasts, they know I always talk about planning and, and making sure that exactly. you're proactive about the planning. Um, and then especially when you're going through, A divorce, which is a crisis because at that point you're not thinking clearly.
1: Not at all. Um,
0: Or, or if there's a, you know, a death of a loved one and and you're handling that stuff. So, um, you know, what you're doing, I think is really important. What, um, when you're meeting with, with potential clients, what are some of the mistakes that they're making and, and questions that they're not asking you that you really wish they would?
1: Gosh, there's a few that come off right off the top of my head. The number one is usually here, and I work with affluent women, so I'm very specialized. And the top thing that I usually hear is can I keep the house? Can I keep my lifestyle? And they're not as worried about, well, what actually happens long term with the children? And is the house, it, you have to develop a budget and a cash flow analysis mm-hmm. and understand where you're at. Cause a lot of the women I work with have never swiped a credit card and thought about the implications. So getting those boundaries and foundations set is usually where I have to go with those conversations instead of yes or no, you can keep the house. Let's look at those options. Let's actually backtrack a little. So I think that's a huge mistake of, really wanting to keep a house when maybe you can't is, is a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is just never even knowing where the financial assets are. And if you're listening today and you don't know where they are, you're completely normal. No one ever knows where, where are the accounts? What's the bills do? What am I actually, you know, set up for in the future during a divorce? And I think that's, it's good that they're reaching out to me, but it also means that I might be referring and saying, you know this is a mistake to talk to me right now. Let's actually go to a divorce mediator and let me tell you the difference between mediator and attorney so you can make the best decision for you. And then sometimes it might be actually a marriage counseling rather than talking about divorce and separation. Maybe you're not actually at a stage where you need to separate. It's just a communication error. Um, So there's some mistakes where they think that's like the final thing you need to do is get divorced. No, I would rather you stay together, especially if you have children if it's the right fit, of course. Um, but that's sometimes what I have to say. And they're not a client then. And I'm okay with that. I don't want to work with anyone and everyone because I don't want people to come to me because they don't get divorced, right? We don't want right. them to get divorced.
0: Right. Yeah. I think that, that many times, you know, I, I, you know, work with married couples and one of them passes away or they have a divorce the other one doesn't know where anything is and their life is a, is a complete shambles. And we really try to, you know, tell our clients, it's like, look, you know, you need to have this conversation and you know, tax time is a perfect time. You can say, Hey, this is your, your financial checkup. You know, let's talk with your, you know, your financial advisor. Let's talk with, you know, all the different people, check your beneficiaries, do all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm assuming that's one of the big things that that you do when you uh, sit down with people, especially when it comes to the beneficiaries.
1: Yes, absolutely. Especially during divorce. And even in my past life as a wealth manager, that was huge. I worked with Absolutely. Every day, estate planners, CPAs, lawyers, we need to have clients be proactive. And I was kind of the little homework pusher. This is your homework. I'm going to actually follow up with you. You're going to do this because it's the best for you. You make the decisions. I don't care what you put as a beneficiary, but here's the things that you need to talk to about with the team that we're going to bring in. Um, And now with the divorces, yes, absolutely. We don't want to have someone on an estate plan once you're divorced, that may not be the person you still are in love with that you want to have all your assets if you pass away. So still having those team discussions is very important. Yeah,
0: that, that, that making sure that the, the ex-spouse, if they're on the hook for, for paying, make sure that they have that life insurance policy because otherwise that could, you know, really change (sighs) things also
1: and that is that's another mistake it's usually not the first conversation i have with anyone so that's right. not why i brought it up a few minutes ago but it is absolutely a huge huge thing that you have to discuss with clients absolutely good point yeah. you bring up
0: do you do you kind of almost feel like you're doing you know finance 101 with them when you're you know talking to them you know that big b word that budget um yes. you know because no nobody wants to hear oh i got to go on a budget
1: So, and that's exactly why when I founded my firm, I did it after months and months and months of research and planning on what's a good fit for me, what's a good fit for clients, where's something missing within the financial world. And I could not, I got to tell you, I could not as a wealth manager, financial advisor and planner with all of my practice and all the hundreds of millions that I was managing and doing retirement planning and doing philanthropic giving and planning and doing everything else with business owners, retirees, and children planning for education and insurance planning, I could not come in and say, hey, let's sit down for a few hours and actually work out what is a budget. Let's talk finance 101. It was not in my day-to-day. So when I founded my company, that's all I do now. And I have all the time in the world because I only work with an exclusive, very, very low number of clients at a time to give them that extra attention which I think is very rare when business owners start a business. They try to do too much. I love that you say that because that's exactly what I do is just finance 101, as much education as we can because I have the time to give it.
0: What are some of the biggest fears that your clients have and how do you help help them overcome those fears?
1: The biggest is can I keep my lifestyle and that fear of losing out and losing money in general because they don't even know what they have. So I think uh, another fear that has recently come up is because the tax season is, well, I don't even know if we've been filing taxes and I he might be signing for me, right? And so there's a fear of, is the IRS coming after me? So that's again, where I can answer some things, but I also know that I'm astute enough to get the right person involved with my client if I need to. So I bring in people like the CPA and actually say, okay, let's see, you know, we're going to look at together the last three to five years and go through everything that you have questions on. And I'm going to bring up stuff you didn't want to talk about, especially with credit score and all this other stuff, because we have to start a new plan and a new life. So um, Mm. that's the biggest fear I think is just, is there going to be enough? How has my ex or soon to be ex done something wrong? And I'm a part of that. Because when you're working with high net worth, ultra high net worth, there's some things that can be a little finicky. Yep. There's a lot more assets everywhere. It's a little more complicated. Um, so they don't even know, you know, the five, six properties they have, what's going on. And can I keep the place in Hawaii there's, there's a lot of fears and they're all valid. So. Right.
0: Right. I agree. I mean, with that, lots of times, you know, I've seen and and have helped people go to the IRS, get copies of transcripts of the tax returns, wage and income statements and things like that to take a look, to make sure that, that what they thought was being filed is actually what was filed. Otherwise, you know, get them to try to get innocent spouse relief with the IRS in that way. um, This happens because I know lots of times when, you know, people are going through divorce, suddenly somebody will go into the retirement account and take out a whole bunch of money, not say anything, not have the taxes taken out. And the person who didn't do this could be on the hook for half the taxes.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. There's so many more things that, if you bring it up in the very beginning, it does create fear. So you want to be very careful when I put it into the conversation for me in divorce, but I'm the one who's the big powerhouse advocate for the women looking at, Hey, I know you're not thinking this way. He's probably the best guy in the world, but I'm going to find and make sure there's not hidden assets or we're not taking out the wrong way. We're going to freeze certain things. We're going to make sure that nothing during the divorce process can bite you. Cause honestly, I've, I've seen it and I just I cover their basis and make sure they don't have any fears that come up in the future.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously, you know, you do a lot more, you know, I'm going to say handholding with the clients yes. um, Absolutely. because you have a lower number mm-hmm. of clients that you're taking on at one time. So you're able to, mm-hmm. to give that, that more one-on-one mm-hmm. um, with them, which is very beneficial what are some other reasons that using a professional like you to help them through this is important?
1: Oh, I can't I can't express even in my personal life how much it's important to have a team around you. So I believe in it. I think it's really, really imperative to have people who know their their stuff. So having that CPA, having that attorney that just specializes in estate planning, or even during divorce a 401k plan, you need to split that appropriately. So you need to have a specialized lawyer, which is a quadro experts. There's a lot of people in your life as professionals that you just have to have in in certain ways and they come and go. um, And some of them stay like financial advisors or planners, CPAs, uh, therapists, maybe it just, there's a lot of people. I know there's, I'm in the divorce world, so that's, it's a normal thing. Um, But there's, there's so many things that I I don't know the exact answer on how to say it, but I I I find the importance and it helps people feel in control, feel like they're going the right direction. They can turn to someone if they need to and just ask the question of, okay, so what do I need to do for taxes? Well, you have someone who can help you. Um, Empowerment. I know that's a big word now, so that's there's so many reasons why you need to have a team.
0: Yeah, that's something we preach all the time is about having you know picking picking the right team so you can have the right plan. Yes. Um, because again, if you don't have that team that you trust, that you feel that you can lean on, how are you going to create the plan? And if you don't have them all working together, then the problem is, cause, cause again, your plan's going to change over, yes. you know, next six months, uh, you know, year, two years, whatever. So you need to have everybody working together to be able well, to, mm-hmm. to go the direction you want to go.
1: Absolutely. Love that. Yeah. That guided path and getting you to where you want to go. Even if it changes slightly, having those people around you and getting you to where you want to be, even if it changes, it's a great, great, great tool.
0: Yeah. So working with the ultra uh, net high worth clients, um, what are some of the, the obstacles that you've run into in mm-hmm. working with them?
1: I think in any relationship, there's going to be differences of one of the, the, the spouses understands the finances the other doesn't so for me it's not an issue at all or obstacle because that's why i started my business is to to help those who need the hand holding and education right. so it brings them to a better level um but the biggest obstacle i'd say is the complexity of where the assets are because a lot of these couples have massive amounts in something as silly uh, and people don't think about this as credit card points you know that might not right. seem complex to you but that's a big deal when you have quite a bit of assets in there or the properties and the planes and who gets to keep what um that i don't i'm not the lawyer but i am the one helping decide okay well if you actually really like the the boats but the husband's the one who did the business fishing and you guys don't use some of that what's the best most realistic answer so obstacles of getting realistic and giving them numbers that she can work with and educate herself um, on ultra net worth, high net worth. It's not, if you understand where they're coming from, it's not a, as big of a difference. Um, mm-hmm. The number game is just a higher number.
0: I think that, you know, one, you know, you hit on, you know, uh, credit card points. Mm-hmm. And I think lots of times people don't think of that as, Um, as wealth or, you know, an asset that we need to split. And, and I think that that's something that's important to to bring up because you really do find there's a ton of assets that people don't think about, um, you know, just in their day-to-day lives. And that's, that's certainly one of them. What's the biggest challenge that you see Uh, With your business going forward?
1: I would say, I mean, on a realistic standpoint, hiring is always, you know, who do you hire? How many people do you hire? When do you hire? Um, The biggest challenge I just went through is marketing standpoint is it's not a good use of my time to sit on Instagram and social media. That's just not me. I've never enjoyed that at all. i rather just talk to clients and also, you know, do work. <laughs> so um, hiring a marketing firm was the best decision that I just went through. And I did it way before I needed it because I, I want to be a business owner who pays for what you need so that you can dedicate your time to better resources and what you actually can grow. Um, so challenges, I'm going to have more and I'm going to tackle them as I need to, but I hopefully I do it before it's needed, right? right. So yeah, we'll see what happens to the hiring in the future.
0: Right. So what, uh, you know, you, you said you started your, your you know, mm-hmm. this part of your business during mm-hmm. COVID. Mm-hmm. What challenges have you faced because of social distancing and, you know, the, the people's desire not, not necessarily to get together? Um, how, how have you handled that?
1: So that's why I started uh, the firm in a a really, really positive light because I had a very cushy job. I did not need to leave. (laughs) So that was about six months of planning with a career coach. Because once again, I think having a team around you Mm -hmm. to have that non-emotional third party support can help you make better decisions in life. And we came up with a plan of perfect timing in COVID because I've already been doing for about four years video with clients. You can still have a relationship, still build trust through video. Um, So I'm very comfortable with it. And even though my clientele is 40s and 50s women, I knew I wouldn't have a challenge with social media and with just connecting through Zoom. So I started it on purpose because I can work with clients now in New York, California, Hawaii, here in Washington, where I'm at in Seattle and not have to meet and no traffic, no flights. Um, So it was actually not a challenge. It was a business decision that I made that is a positive and it's been successful. that's my viewpoint. Some businesses, uh, like some partners who wanted me to work with them in the financial field, they didn't want to transfer ever to Zoom. Then COVID hit, they were forced to. That's a different story, I think. Right. Uh, mine was, I wanted to.
0: Right. Have you gotten any pushback from any of your potential clients with, uh, you know, doing Zoom as compared to face-to-face?
1: No, I have given option, though, that if for a flat fee, I can meet in person and fly wherever you are. And once again, I handhold. So if they want to tour a penthouse in New York, I can fly over and show them with the realtor um, and, and make sure they're not making a terrible decision. Cause you know, that's in divorce, we might do that. And right after divorce, we still might try to do that. And so I'm there to actually help make sure and guide that they don't make bad decisions. But at this point, I don't really offer it unless it's absolutely needed. Like we're touring something and it's, and you know, even a purchase of at a car dealership, they can call me, we can talk it through. I don't think that that's a big deal um, to meet in person, but I'll give the option, especially in the future uh, for a a higher fee though. Cause at this point I don't need to waste my time. They don't need to waste theirs unless I'm going to be charging a fee. Right. Right.
0: During your kind of your whole time of, of, doing the, the finance things and, and now what you're doing, um, you know, with, with divorce, what is kind of your one, one, one thing that you've learned that you think is the best thing that you've learned?
1: in finance related? Oh, I could really, okay. Um, that sometimes the best thing that you can have an advisor do for you is make sure you don't make a mistake in the market by being that person who is the block from you making a terrible decision and pulling out at the wrong time. I think that a lot of people, the active management, you might be the best fit in an index fund, you know, getting into a mutual fund or an index, great. And it's just passive investing, a lot less money. That might be the best decision. And then having an advisor still just make sure you don't pull out at the wrong time. because we're behaviorally in tune to take action when we're scared and fearful. There's that behavioral finance in me. And I, I really think that humans, the action you need to take is not to do something in the wrong timing. And so that's, I think advisors really help clients not make terrible decisions, not necessarily actively managing a fund and making your portfolio beautiful. You can most likely get that in an index and let it ride out forever, but you're you need an advisor to make sure you don't take out and let it ride. So I think that's probably the biggest takeaway. Let the market do its thing, have an advisor, make sure you don't make poor decisions. Right.
0: <laughs> and another good reason to have, have a team.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: So, you know, you do you're doing a lot of things right now. Um, not just with your business, but also with volunteer work. And, mm-hmm. and um, I saw that you're going to be doing a, uh, Ironman yes. marathon. Yes. Um, how, how are you finding this this work-life balance?
1: I love this. I love hearing people talk about work-life because I believe that everyone has so much time throughout the day. It's just, we make excuses. So I, I think that even though I'm training for an Ironman, I'm writing my TED talk right now. I'm writing a book. I'm doing my business. I plan it and I'm very selfish with my time and I have boundaries galore. I have so many boundaries. So I don't do anything I don't want to do. I don't say yes to things that I don't believe in. Um, so when I volunteer, it is for charities and time and I'm on boards that I really, truly want to be on. And when I race for the Ironman, it's hitting the Ironman goal of wealth and and really just health, happiness and internally. It's for my health. It's also for giving back to a charity because I'm raising money for a financial savvy ladies, uh, educate women in finance. So I'm, I'm doing it for a charity. So I don't, I don't believe that there's, in my mind, an issue with work-life balance for a lot of people. It's have a really, really healthy relationship within myself and make sure I keep my boundaries. Work-life is good for me. And that's not unrealistic because I, I do really take time to be selfish. <laughs>
0: That's that's okay. So what what question have I not asked you so far that you wish I did?
1: Let's say what's the one tip that you would give people listening that are intimidated by uh, maybe talking to professionals would be just ask, call over the phone for, you know, maybe a CPA in your area, just call someone who does estate planning a financial advisor in your area, or even anywhere in the US nowadays, and Mm -hmm. just ask them to tell them what you do and understand that it's really good to have a team around you. And they're not intimidating. If you just call an interview, call a few different types of CPAs, find a good fit, um, whoever you're calling for whatever professional need you have, it's not intimidating. No one's going to hang up the phone and say, no, I don't want to talk to you. And I won't tell you what I do. Um, I think that's the biggest barrier I see is people are scared to just call. So just call. People are not intimidating.
0: So if, you know, our listeners, maybe unfortunately going, getting ready to go through a divorce or going through a divorce and they want to reach out to you, how can they reach out to you? How can they talk to you?
1: So my website's very, very specific on who I work with. So that's a good start. And they have a lot of resources on it where if you're thinking of divorce, going through a divorce, you have questions on the finances or just what to choose for divorce attorneys, Um, and and other resources. It's summerhillwealth.com. So that gives you a really underlying resource pattern of what you can choose. And then also I have a podcast, Divorce for Wealthy Women, on all social platforms, you know, the Apple and and Spotify. Um, So that's also helpful. And it just speaks to divorcing or pre-divorce, during divorce, post-divorce women who are affluent. So very specific. And you can always reach out to me if you do have questions just about finance, divorce, planners, who to talk to. I'm always happy to just give my resources because I'm very well connected uh, and I can get them to the right person. And so you can call me on anytime. My stuff is all on my website, my contact information.
0: We really appreciate your time and, and your tips that you have given us today.
1: Thank you. Appreciate coming on.
0: So today our guest was Olivia Summerhill with Summerhill Wealth Management. Thank you.